So this morning I told you we're going to be receiving some instructions. Uh, Before I give you these instructions, I want to talk a little bit about being on the receiving end of instructions. Something most people aren't really good at. We don't like being instructed. Um, But today we're we're going to be talking about uh, behaviors when you are in a flock or a family or a group. We already kind of said, well, let's, let's kind of make the side hug the standard for our flock. Doesn't mean you can't do other things. Just check it out with people, how they want to be greeted. But we'll make the side hug. Now, I hope, hope you're not offended by being taught a side hug. But, um, but that's a little piece of instruction. Uh, today's I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of John about a post-resurrection uh, event where Peter met with Jesus, and Jesus gave him instructions and apparently Peter did not take to being instructed very well. He, did, he was kind of hurt by it. So please don't be hurt by the instructions that are offered in this, ser- in this sermon. Um, in fact, open yourself up to the idea that uh, responding to instructions is one of the most powerful ways you can demonstrate your love for one another. John chapter 21, beginning at the fourth verse. After daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus, and he said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered, No. And he said, Cast your net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Instructions. So they cast the net, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on some clothes, for he was naked. He jumped out into the water and went ashore. And the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. For they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. And when they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they all knew it was the Lord. And Jesus took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, tend the sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truly, I tell you, when you were young, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wish. But when you grow older, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not want to go. And he said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this he said, follow me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
So by way of instructions, being the people who follow, or who Jesus asked to follow, the next question out of your mouths should be, well, what, what does it mean to follow you, Lord? I will follow you. What does it mean to follow you? Well, you know the main, the main instructions Jesus said, I want you to love one another, and I want you to love God. Love God, love one another. Let me show you what love is so you can follow. Jesus died to show us what love is. He gave his life, so he was a giver, not a taker. Instead of taking power, Jesus gave it away. Instead of injuring other people, he himself took a beating. Instead of judging and evaluating other people, he empowered and healed and restored other people. Always giving away power, always giving away what was his that others might be healed and lifted up and restored. Jesus rose again to demonstrate that if you, his followers, will do the same, if you will love, and if you will be a giver, you don't have to be afraid of running out of love or grace, or resources. In fact, if you will love and give, it will not result in your demise. It will not result in your death. If you will love and give, you will have life, and you'll have it eternally. And oh, by the way, I'm standing here on the beach in front of you after having died and rose again, and I'm saying... Come and have breakfast. The resurrected Jesus is saying, you, if you will love, if you will give, you will live. Your life cannot be taken from you. So love abundantly, give abundantly. Do not react out of fear, but instead react in following the example of Jesus, the resurrected Lord. Love God, love one another. And I, I by the way, Jesus used the ag agricultural uh, metaphor of being a shepherd and sheep. Most of you don't have sheep. These kids don't know what sheep are. But let's, let's try to unpack what Jesus was talking about. He said, if you're going to love each other, feed the sheep. Feed the lambs. Care for one another. Show that you will follow me by caring for one another. After Jesus fed the disciples with a charcoal fire, and if I could, I would have charcoal fire and beach and seagulls and, and fish, and that would be what communion is, right? But, you know, we've, we're several thousand years away from that, and, and, and we do have the table. But that's, this is, I think, the first communion after the resurrection was this gathering on the beach with the resurrected Jesus. And so after Jesus had fed the disciples, he turned to Jesus and he gave him some instructions to which Jesus took offense. I mean, to which Peter took offense. He said, Peter, do you love me? Uh, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of each other. Peter, do you love me? Feed the flock, tend the sheep, tend the lamb, look out for the little ones and the vulnerable ones. That's what I want you to do. <sighs> Peter says. Do it. Follow me. Follow me by looking out for one another. Let the world see how you love one another. In the first centuries of the Christian faith, it was the world watching the church behave with each other that really got people's eyes. They would say, see how they love one another, and they would kiss each other right on the mouth. It was odd. 
But there are some other, we don't need to kiss each other in the mouth, but we can act in an odd way in this world where people are very suspicious and we're very, we're very much want our own space. And so um, I would like to give you a few instructions about what it means to love Jesus by feeding and caring for one another. And I hope you have heard today that, I hope that you are here today because you sense that Jesus loves you. And, and you're here today to worship because you love Christ in return. That your worship here this morning is a demonstration of your love for Jesus. That, that First United Methodist Church is your flock. And that you are here with the flock and with Jesus and you're going to love each other. You're going to follow Jesus by getting involved and being intentional in the many acts of love and giving and charity that we do not only for the world outside but also by the way we treat one another. And I would say that loving one another, loving the flock, requires a little bit of energy and time and intentionality. On the front of your bulletins is, a, is kind of a neat little logo. Uh, it's called Safe Sanctuaries. This is an idea that many churches are adopting about having a common sense of how we behave with one another. The side hug is like the first instruction. In a safe sanctuary, you do not need people coming and grabbing you if you don't want to be grabbed, right? And, and so the invitation to be in fellowship is one of, the, one of the ways, one of the instructions of safe sanctuary. Do side hugs unless something else is asked for or expected. Um, today I want you to turn your attention to this caring for one another, feeding the sheep, feeding the lamb, feeding the sheep. In this world where there's a lot of mistrust and violence and fear and anger and predatory behavior. And we are a church that opens our doors to the world and guess what? The fear and the mistrust and the predatory behavior and even the violence comes into churches, synagogues, mosques, right? So how do we love one another and look out for one another in a world that rises our anxiety all the time about being safe? One way you could do it, one way you could really put your safety first, and that is stay home, pull up the drawbridge, lock the doors, watch church online, send in your tithes, automatic withdrawal from the bank, and uh, text your questions and your comments and your thoughts. And you could stay safe in your home and get everything that church has to offer, right? No. Because I think following Jesus requires that we gather. That we come together as the body of Christ, the flock of his sheep, of his pasture. Now, I believe that loving requires that we gather as a flock. That we know each other. That we have relationships with each other. And we are always open to building new relationships. And we put effort into the way we care for one another. And the way we love one another. Especially... The vulnerable. And that's sort of one of the things that the church uh, does get the attention of the world for. See how we sort of have a predisposition in favor of the vulnerable. Now you watch that one child run out of here during the, during the children's time, right? All right, besides side hugs, one of the safe sanctuary instructions is never let a child run out of this sanctuary by themselves. And even if it's not your child and no adult is following that child, you get up 
and you follow that child. We are giving you permission to take some authority over each other's safety. And if someone is offended because their child runs out and a a person gets up to follow that child, then they probably don't want to go to a church where we look out for one another. Right? You're not allowed to be in isolation. Children are not allowed to run away from the flock. They will be followed. We will take care of one another. That's a little instruction. Please don't be offended if other people in the church look out for your children. Um, Adolescents. Adolescents love to go and explore and do their thing, right? Okay. Follow them. The worst things that happen at youth, I've been in youth ministry my whole life. Worst things happen on retreats. Usually you say, well, where were you? Well, I was by myself. Oh, let's not do that. So it's okay for you to follow the adolescents. It's okay for you to ask people uh, when they are here in the church alone. If you walk into a room and there's someone in the church alone, please say, are you okay? They might be in there crying or, are you okay? Can I help you? Would you like to come with me to be with other people? Right? So it is creating a culture. Safe sanctuaries is creating a culture in our church where we care for one another by saying isolation is the enemy of relationships. We will not be in isolation. And most of the hard things that happen in this world happen in isolation, especially when we're talking about strangers coming into our church. A stranger should not be offended if they come into our church alone and someone says, Hi, how are you? May I help you? Can I stay with you? Can I show you around? Now, I I share all these ideas with you because I want to give you permission not to be embarrassed to go up to somebody who goes to the 830 service and you've never seen them before and they're standing by themselves and you say, hello, how are you? Can I help you? I've been a member of this church for 45 years. Oh, I'm sorry. You were by yourself. And at First United Methodist Church, we don't do things by ourselves. Now, anybody know Doobie Dubendorf? Anybody? Doobie runs the AV at the early service, and he comes in early by himself. And I just told the 830 service, whoever walks in the sanctuary and you see Doobie in there by himself playing on the computer, I want you to say, Doobie, are you okay? I want you to say, Doobie, do you want me to stay here with you? And Doobie won't be offended. And he will hear that as, Doobie, I love you, and you're part of my flock. And so he will hear that. And I can't tell Doobie what to do. He's going to come in here by himself. And there are people in this church who come in here by yourselves all the time. Don't be offended if you're in the church by yourselves and somebody you don't know comes up and says, Are you okay? Why are you alone? Especially say this to the children, to the adolescents, to the vulnerable, and to the strangers, the people that you do not know. Perhaps one of the most difficult parts of uh, what I see in our, our culture today is this idea that, that we offend people by asking them things. We have to admit that um, loving one another means that we're going to behave in a certain way and we're all going to kind of agree to it. When Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said, then follow the adolescents and the children when they walk out of the sanctuary and go to the bathroom. Oh, okay. 
Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then walk with the elderly to their cars after the potluck dinner. Oh, okay. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Why are you asking me if I love you all the time? Then walk up to strangers in the church when they're by themselves and say, are you okay? Can I walk with you? Take care of the flock because nothing good happens in isolation. In fact, the God that we serve is a God of relationships. Safe sanctuaries creates a culture where people are not offended when a member of the flock asks them, are you okay? Can I be with you? I don't believe safe sanctuaries, well, I shouldn't say this. I do. In some ways, this whole safe sanctuary movement in the church is a reaction to the anxiety in our culture. Okay, But I don't want it to be motivated by that. I know that mosques and synagogues and churches have been the target of violence. I know that. You know that. But I don't think the answer is, don't go to church. Don't gather. Neither do I believe the answer is um, metal detectors and pat-downs and you know, locked doors. It's not. It's looking out for each other. It's you all. Being the church, loving one another enough to be in relationship and calling people out of isolation. Most of the predators and the violent people in churches come in alone. And you can't come into First United Methodist Church and be alone. So if you want to be motivated by anxiety about security, then that's okay, you still can't be. But instead, I encourage you and I ask you to hear these instructions of Jesus. Feed the sheep. Care for one another. Don't be alone in the church. And by doing this, you are following the example of Christ who gave himself away without fear, not even of death, to call people into a relationship of love and tenderness and mercy. In this occasion, by serving them breakfast.